Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Monday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. Hey, we left off Friday with Jesus launching a brutal attack on the religious leaders at the Southern Steps. He said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees. Oh, and he went on. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, at which point he pointed to the Mount of Olives and the cemetery on the side of the Mount of Olives. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside you're full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. He called them a brood of vipers, snakes. He blamed them for shedding the blood of the prophets. And then he stormed off up the Mount of Olives. Imagine how his disciples felt when all that happened. I bet they were looking at their feet and looking away from the religious leaders, and they quietly walked off and followed him up the Mount of Olives. When they get to the top, Jesus turned, pointed at the temple, and he said, When you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, and Matthew inserts, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. Oh, how dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great distress, great tribulation, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. Well, the question will certainly become, when will this happen? And Jesus said, I don't know. Only the Father knows. But in the meantime, prepare for it. So we enter our podcast today at Matthew 25 with a series of stories about preparing for his coming in the end times. Chapter 25 and verse 1, the parable of the ten virgins. He says, at that time, that interval time, before I return, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but they didn't take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom! Come out, meet him! And then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps have gone out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both, both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil. Buy some for yourselves. Can't have ours. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins, who were ready, went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, 
The others came. Sir! Sir! Open the door! But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you don't know the day or the hour when the bridegroom will come. Be prepared. And again, the parable of the talents at verse 14 of chapter 25. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money, to another, two talents, and to another, one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with him. The man who had received five talents brought another five. Master, he said, you entrust me with five talents. Look, I've gained five more. I doubled them. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come, share your master's happiness. Well, the man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. I put them to work and I've gained two more. And his master replied, very well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. So you too come and share your master's happiness. And then the man who had received the one talent came. Uh, <clears throat> Master, he said, I, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you haven't sown, gathering where you haven't scattered. I, I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, I brought it back to you. It belongs to you. <laughs> and it was caked with dirt. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So, you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. Well then, you should have put my money at least on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I'd receive a little bit of interest. So take the talent from him, give it to the one who has the ten talents, for everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Oh, and regarding that servant, that worthless servant, throw him outside in the darkness, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we have the same lesson here uh, with the, the virgins and their oil and the men with their talents. You know, when we come into a relationship with Christ, when God provides the grace that awakens us to him 
and we place our faith in him and step positionally into the family of God, we become adopted sons and daughters of God. And then the Holy Spirit grants us gifts, talents, gifts, and abilities. They may be natural talents, gifts, and abilities, or they may be rather supernatural talents, gifts, and abilities. But once given to us, we're expected to put them to use, to work for the kingdom. You know, I think it would make a really good podcast series to investigate those spiritual gifts. Paul speaks of them in 1 Corinthians and in Romans, and he gives an example of the spiritual gifts that were given. But I think there are hundreds, if not thousands, of spiritual gifts. But how many of us have taken the time to recognize what our gifts are and then to develop those gifts and put them to work? And that's key. Healing, for example, is one of the spiritual gifts that Paul mentions. Healing. I don't think it means holding your hand over someone's head and saying, you're healed of your blindness, or get up out of your wheelchair and walk. Now, we see Jesus doing similar things, but I'm not sure we're quite at that level. But if you have the gift of healing, I'd suggest you do very well at the university. You graduate, you apply to medical school, you get your medical degree, and then you put that medical degree to use, either teaching at a medical center, uh, working in a hospital, working as a medical missionary, whatever it might be. But you put your gift to work. If your gift is teaching, another gift mentioned by St. Paul, I don't know if I guess if I have a spiritual gift, that must be it, because I can't think of any others. Certainly not accounting or finance, but, uh, you know, teaching. It's a spiritual gift, and you're to put it to work. But I remember wanting to be a teacher. I remember wanting to be a university professor. And I wanted that because I had mentors that I greatly admired, Jack Evans, Nick Salerno, Skip Brack, people I had as an undergraduate. And I didn't start undergraduate school until I was 24. I spent six years in the Marine Corps before that. But I knew that I wanted to be a university professor. I wanted to be like those men. So I worked hard. I studied. I got my PhD. But I remember the very first class I ever taught putting my hand on the doorknob of the classroom door, opening that door, walking in with a class roster. I had about 35 students there. And I went down the roster. I called out the names, looked at people, asked a few things about them, burned up about a half hour of class that way. And then I started. Now, I prepared all weekend for a Monday morning class. It was only a 50-minute long class. I only had 20 minutes left. But after about 15 minutes, I ran out of stuff to say. And I let the class go early. Oh, I left that classroom. I went to back across campus. I got a coffee and I sat down and I thought, 
I better reconsider my career choice. I had to learn to teach, and very deliberately so. Learn. Watch how other people taught, other people that I admired. Jack, Nick, Skip, how did they do this? And watch how they taught. And then imitate that. And eventually find my own voice. And then put it to work. And by golly, over the years, over the decades, if you focus on it, if you focus on developing that gift, you'll get better and better. Now, what a shame to have the gift of teaching and never get beyond your first classroom or never even getting into the first classroom. You see, that's the whole point. When we step into the family of God, we have a job to do in the family of God, and we're given talents, gifts, and abilities to accomplish that job. But how many people, once they're in the family of God, just sit back and basically do nothing? I remember spending many afternoons when I was a graduate student up in Los Angeles, spending many afternoons going to the Fuller Seminary Library up in Pasadena. And I remember pulling into the parking lot at the Fuller Seminary and walking toward the library, and I saw a car parked in the faculty lot, and it had a bumper sticker that said, the Lord is coming, look busy. <laughs> I thought that was good, and I've tried to look busy ever since. But that's the point of these two parables, the virgins with the oil and some without the oil, and the coins being given and being put to use or not. So what are we to do in the meantime? What are we to do? The Lord left this world on Ascension Day of A.D. 32, 40 days after his resurrection. The Holy Spirit arrived 10 days later on the Jewish feast of Pentecost, and the church was born. And we're part of that church. We've stepped into the family. And we're put our talents and gifts and abilities to work. Now, another way to illustrate. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll pull the sheep on his right, and put the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? 
When do we see you, a stranger, and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you, sick, or prison, or go and go visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. The Lord left this world 2,000 years ago, but he'll be coming back. He gave us our talents, gifts, and abilities to be put to use. And how do we do it? By serving others. And in serving others, we are serving him. But then he'll say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me in. I needed clothes, and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't look after me. But they'll answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and didn't help you? And he'll reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. And then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So we have a choice to make, folks. We step into the family of God by grace through faith. We live in the family of God by a life of active love or good works. We're given talents, gifts, and abilities to do just that. And the Lord expects us, according to the degree of our talents, gifts, and abilities, to fulfill what he's asked us to do, to serve him by serving others using those talents, gifts, and abilities. That's something worth pondering, and worth pondering deeply. What are you going to do during your life in Christ? What are your talents, your gifts, your abilities? And how will you put them to use? For goodness sakes, don't bury them because you're afraid. You're timid. You don't think you can do it. Well, the Lord is coming. Look busy. That's it for today. So I'll be back with you on Wednesday. And with this, the plot against Jesus becomes more and more aggressive. Just wait till you see what happens. Bye-bye now.